Welcome to Washington In Focus, powered by the Center Square, and a production of America's Talking Network. I am Jeremy Lott, regional editor of the Center Square Newswire for Washington State. To support great podcasts like, for instance, this one, please donate by clicking the link in the show description. Today, I am joined by Brett Davis, Spencer Polly, and Raylan Riccarti, which rhymes with Havarti. And we are just going to charge into the news. We're going to start in eastern Washington. This is a story we've been covering for a while. It's a Spokane Ethics Commission dismisses ethics complaint against city council president. Raylan, what happened there? This is all tied to the controversy over the homeless shelter issue, and it, which has been going on all year. The city council, first they told the mayor, you know, you're not doing enough to get people out of the weather. This was January, February, you know, and they sort of censured her for not make, taking more steps to get people out of the weather. So then she got a shelter set up. And she was trying, they were trying to get a shelter provider picked and she had assigned this um, continuum of care board to review the three applications that came in to make a recommendation. And the city council president got those applications and he sent them out to all the city council members and some city staffers. And so, um, you know, things were, were already heating up between them. Anyway, so a retired um, doctor in Spokane filed an ethics complaint against the council president, Brianne Beggs, for sending out what he said was confidential information that involved basically personnel issues. Yeah, and, and that caused the Spokane city government to have to restart its search, basically. Yeah, the mayor found out about that, and the Continuum of Care Board President, Ben Stuckert, had participated in the discussion about the shelter operators when he stood to get a job that paid like $151,000 a year. And so between the two things, she scrapped the whole process and started over. And an ethics complaint has also been filed against Ben Stuckert. But the ethics commission... And I think he's no longer with Continuum of Care, is that correct? Yeah, he had, the board forced him to step down because yeah. of that. Anyway, so um, this ethics complaint has been under consideration since May, and they finally did a ruling this month. They dismissed the, the complaint. They said that the council president was acting within his authority because he only sent the information out to the city council for information and to the city staff, and it wasn't widely distributed publicly, which is what the complaint said, that he had disseminated confidential information to the public. So the council president won the day on the ethics complaint. The other one's still pending. Okay. I, I mean, not names, but who approximately are the people that decide on these ethics? Like what sort of people are on this board? They're appointed. They're, you know, they're this, it's a city's ethics commission. So it isn't an independent body, yeah. you know, that does it. They're appointed. And so they come in with whatever, um, whatever biases they carry, you know, and there yeah. is a pretty big fight going on between the mayor and the city council right now. So everything is political. <laughs> sure. But apparently it wasn't even close to the ethics board. It was, uh, there are six votes, but it was 5-0 and one person abstained. The next story is uh, Kennewick School District unfurls policy giving American flag preference. Now, here's a question. How did it not have preference? Well, what the original discussion was to ban flags other than the U.S. flag. That was originally what they were trying to do. The, you know, they said the the gay pride parade and Black Lives Matter and stuff were creating division in the classrooms, and they they wanted the students to be united under the American flag. But then they got told that they could have legal, legal ramifications for violation of First Amendment rights if they didn't allow other flags. And so what they did in their code, which, you know, has had a first reading, but it 
it's it's not finished yet. They'll do towards the end of January. They'll have the final reading. Anyway, um, they just gave a preference to the American flag and limited the amount of other flags that could be flown and the size and location where they could be shown. Yeah, I mean the American flag has to be higher than other flags. Uh, the has to be in every classroom and in every building. Yeah, uh, and it has to be larger, as large or larger. I think is is the policy uh, as other flags, and they can't like stick flags in the windows. Is that correct? Yes, you know, and this has been a trend going on. I think on Florida did something similar to this, and you know, it's not a new, um, unprecedented thing. There okay. are there are of course dissenters who say that you know it's important to have the gay pride flag and those flags for inclusion. Yeah, though on the Kennewick board, it wasn't. It was a it was a four to one vote, I believe. So it was close to unanimous, saying, "Yeah, let's uh, give the American fr- flag." Let's try that again. The American flag, pride of place. Oh, I can't speak today. We're going to go to the statewide uh, stories at this point. We're going to begin with one uh, titled Inslee Office Worried About Increased Threats to Our Utilities. Brett, you wrote that one. Talk to me about it. The feel-good Christmas story of the year. No, <laughs> no not really. <laughs> well, yeah, what, I mean, it happened on Christmas, but it's kind of horrifying. Apparently four substations in the electrical substations in the Tacoma area were you know, vandalized and it caused about uh, 14,000 homes and businesses to, to lose power at one point or another on Christmas. So, you know, Merry Christmas to those people. This is actually a national trend. There's been, in several right. different states, people are vandalizing substations and causing lots of people to lose power. In normal times, that's annoying. In times of extreme weather events, I guess we're calling it these days, you know, it's potentially life-threatening, so... Right. You mentioned other states. Uh, it was Oregon, Florida, North Carolina. Those states have been in the news for the same thing. Yeah. I think we kind of dodged a bullet here because we had our really cold weather, our, you know, ice storm, you know, yeah. <laughs> right right before that. So this could have been a lot worse if it had happened during, you know, the worst of the storm. You know, could have cost people their lives. According to Pierce so. County Sheriff's, this knocked about 14,000 people out of power temporarily. Yes. Right. And uh, we don't I don't so, think we know who did it yet. Is that is that also correct? That is correct. Uh, so far, I haven't seen any uh, any suspects named or yeah. anything of the sort. So hopefully they'll get to the bottom of this soon rather than later. Indeed. This was obviously a thing that was out there. And, uh, you know, the thing that occurred to us was, well, you know, what does the governor think of this? So we asked, right. he said, you know, yeah, we're, we are concerned about this. We're not, we're not going to try to take a lead role on this until we know more, et cetera. But, um, yeah, we're a little worried about this. And usually you send a thing to, you know, a politician, you say, you know, what is your comment on X? And if they don't right. get back to you, you say, did not reply to request for comment. We, we specifically wrote to the governor's office and said, you know, look, we understand that you are not the story here. And if you decide not to comment, fine. We're not going to do a did not reply. But do you have thoughts on this? And they said, yes, we are concerned. So it's, it's good to see that they're concerned. And we'll we'll see what uh, as this story develops, you know, uh, what's what role the governor's office uh, plays in supporting or pushing on law enforcement to try to uh, get to the bottom of this. Our next story is about what's coming next year in the legislature. Washington lawmakers <laughs> to take another crack at emergency powers reform next session. It sounds like we've heard this story. Yeah, before. it's a song that never ends. <laughs> It just goes on and on, my friends. That's right. Jay Inslee claimed sweeping emergency powers, and and uh, the legislature has not checked him on that. He voluntarily revoked those, uh, or I guess, I don't know, sunsetted those powers as of right. uh, Halloween. So we got a treat. But uh, there is no limits on his ability to do it and to continue to do it. And the ongoing debate is, well, should there be? And, and, and as you recall, during this session, the legislature failed to pass any sort of emergency powers reform. Yeah, the, so they're the, taking another crack at it. They had put together a bill that many people thought was toothless. 
And the Republicans said, well, could we add, uh, you know, one tooth to it, maybe two? And the the <laughs> Democrats then pulled it from consideration and then it did not pass. So, right. I remember it dying in the wee hours of the morning a few days before the end of session. Yeah. So this uh, new bill they've pre-filed has a really lengthy title, uh, Bipartisan Approach to Legislative Authority Necessary in Continuing Emergencies or Balance. Well, just call it a balance act. That just seems easier. Right. Yeah. <laughs> they went nuts with the acronym. I don't know who thought of that, but they, they came up with an acronym that them. no one would. I mean, they, they came up with a, a title no one would want to repeat. So that right. we would all call it the Balance Act. That's what they did. <laughs> so basically, it has uh, three provisions. Uh, if the legislature is in session, they could pass a resolution terminating any emergency declarations from the governor. If they're out of session, they could allow four members of the House and Senate leadership to terminate any emergency declarations in writing. Uh, you know, if, it, if more than 90 days have passed since the declaration. And uh, one last thing, it requires uh, any restrictive declarations and suspensions of law by the governor to expire after 30 days unless extended by the legislature. If they're out of session, the four leaders could get together and extend those measures in writing. You talked to one of the, the I think both of the co-sponsors, well, you talked to one of them and, and he said... I talked to one on the phone. And he said, and yeah, you know, Mark we'll give it a shot, but good luck. He was not very hopeful that it would actually pass and become law. The phrase he used was, I don't have a ton of hope it will pass. And, and he noted, as you as you mentioned earlier, a weaker version of emergency powers, you know, didn't make it out of the legislature last year. So the session. So he wasn't sure that this stronger version would you know pass next year. Yeah. But he thought it was good to get it out there and have a discussion about it at least. Okay. So uh, Also, you did a story <laughs> titled Washington Pot Shopped Arm Robberies at 10-Year High as Safe Banking Act Fails. <laughs> so what's going on nice, there? Nice headline. Seattle area cannabis retailer Uncle Ike's. They they have a, a tracker of uh, armed robberies of Washington pot shops, and it's uh, it's at least 100 so far for the year. So uh, that's the highest in a decade, most likely because the mar- marijuana business is an all-cash business. Mm-hmm. So probably remember some uh, sad news early, earlier this year where uh, somebody at a pot shop in I think Tacoma was uh, the victim of an armed robbery, and he was shot and killed. So this has been in the news a lot recently. Yeah, because there's a discrepancy between Washington State and federal law, because banks are re- regulated federally, you have a hard time for these become all cash businesses for the most part. Right. And that creates Makes them quite a large cash hoard for people to knock over. And a lot of Washington state politicians, um, the couple examples being uh, Jay Inslee, Bob Ferguson, uh, the national level, Patty Murray, I believe Maria Cantwell, are, uh, we're pushing the Safe Banking Act to say, right. you know, that it, that. No, if it's legal in that state, the federal government is going to back off and and let banks actually be a part of this system. And yeah, so, so they could use credit cards, debit yeah. cards, and other banking services instead of you know all cash. Yeah, and uh, you know that failed, and so we'll uh, we'll head into a new year and. Uh, See what's what the next Congress and uh, the next legislature does to try to deal with the problem. All right, we're going to head over to see uh, King County, Spencer. Extreme weather events is the has been a thing in the news lately, so that's that's sure what we're going to focus on. Yeah, so Authority has plans to shelter King <laughs> County homeless against extreme weather. Talk to me about that one, Spencer. Sure. Well, uh, prior to this uh, winter storm event that's just pretty much rocked the entire country, I was curious as to what the King County Regional Homelessness Authority has, if they have a plan implanted, I guess is a good phrase, but something to like help the people in need during these kinds of extreme weather events. And sure enough, they do. Basically, up until this point, they've spent $185,000 in emergency funding. This goes for just supplies to some of these um, organizations that help the homeless around the area, King County and Seattle. Mm -hmm. And um, I learned that they have a three-tier system. 
So what that means is as weather gets more extreme, either high or low, they enact different tiers, which means providing more supplies, you know, working with uh, some of the transportation. And so if there's like a lot of snow or rain, they trigger that. And there's been a few times, I think over 50 already that they've triggered this tier system. It's good to know that at least they have plans and set in stone for when this happens. But uh, yeah. curious as to what's going on nowadays with, uh, you know, homeless around Seattle and King County area. Indeed, it's hard to live outside when it's uh, just awful like this. Another related story. What Seattle comma King County are doing to prevent future flooding in South Seattle. Well, there's a king tide that hit uh, South Seattle. Uh, the Duwamish River over flooded and it just is it's rocking some residential properties and businesses. But, you know, Seattle and King County are aware that Duwamish River is, you know, a liability in that area. Unfortunately, yeah. these projects that they have set in stone are not quite ready, but they will be ready next year, they said. So I'll tell you one, they okay. have, are upgrading the South Park pump station, which is in that area. This will help kind of just clear up some of the flood prevent some future things as, as a neighborhood full of crawl spaces with some pumps you need pumps when it gets very wet well they they've also spent 35.7 million dollars this year just to upgrade and repair some of the water lines and pump stations with that included and king county themselves i think their largest capital project with a price tag of 275 million is for a wet weather mm-hmm. treatment center there so Right near the Duwamish River, what you'll see is that, you know, polluted stormwater that comes up will be treated and stuff like that. So not only is it just kind of helping prevent more flooding, but it'll stop the Duwamish River from getting more polluted. Yeah, these are all set to open 2023, hopefully sooner than later. But, you know, see what happens when something's not in place here. Maybe you can moderate future extreme weather events. So I'm sure I will. Yeah. So uh, final story from Spencer is titled Pickleball Grows in Popularity, along with more trips to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there, Spencer? Well, uh, basically, some studies show that racket sports have a trend in injuries you're going to see. And uh, pickleball is no exception. Uh, it's a sport that is easy to pick up, easy to learn. Uh, and it's been growing in popularity. I know a lot of people out here, friends included, who just like started getting into it and are really into pickleball now. Uh, talking to them, I mean, my age demographic, I guess we don't have to worry so much about aches and joint issues or anything <laughs> like that. But they are aware that, you know, you can go a little too hard on some of these sports, including pickleball. So it can happen. But uh, I've reached out to University of Washington Medicine. Uh, they don't keep track of the records, but... Uh, they, they, don't, they don't track the pickleball carnage? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, I asked, but they said we don't do that. But perhaps they should in the future because it seems like a couple studies say that there is, you know, with the rise in popularity in pickleball, so too are the injuries. So I always just say, yeah. stretch. Make sure you stretch and don't right. go too hard. It's just pickleball, guys. I remember playing pickleball in high school back when dinosaurs roamed yeah, the earth. No, I, I think I, if I remember rightly, the final class I had to take to get my associate's degree at, at, at a community college was a pickleball class. <laughs> Did you guys get injured? <laughs> uh, no, but I was very young then. The last podcast of the year. So we're going to do a best of and worst of. And Spencer complained about going first. So I'm not going to have him go first this time. So Brett, what was your best of and worst of for the year? Best of? Oh, geez. Putting me on the spot, huh, Jeremy? Yeah. Uh, it's just going to be pretty lame. But you know, a lot of times movie sequels, they're, they're terrible and they suck. Yeah. I thought we had a good movie sequel this year and, and Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Mm-hmm. I actually thought it was better than the original. I like the, you know, the. The actu- the, they were actually flying in the planes, which was cool. 
What's the worst of? Oh, geez. I put him on the spot. Let's see. <laughs> What's the worst of? I can't think of anything right now. I'm sure okay. there's something. All right. I, I'm just drawing a blank. It's, it's been a long it's year. Just, it's been, it's been <laughs> a good year. Rainbows and sunshine and, you know, fuzzy bunnies this year. Or, and freezing, and freezing rain. rain. So there you go. That's the worst of. Freezing rain. Maybe that was the worst thing. The the uh, the ice storm that we don't usually get around here. They're being driving and walking treacherous. Yeah. Raylan, <laughs> what's your best of and worst of for the year? So I have discovered in Practical Jokers. <laughs> you know, I'm late coming to the party because it's been around for a while, but I've been binge watching it because it's so hilarious okay. and it's a new thing in my life. <laughs> anyway, so I have my dad who has dementia watching it with me and he doesn't always get it, but he kind of likes it. So we that's something we do together in the evenings and that's fun. Um, on the worst side, I went to Jurassic Park Dominion and I'm over it. I'm over it now. (laughs) Spencer, what's your best of and worst of? Well, I'm a big movie guy, so I've definitely seen a few this year. Uh, I will say the best one is The Northman for me. Um, It's radar movie, so don't take the kids out there. But uh, basically, uh, Vikings who raid Slavic villages. Uh, It's by a director, Robert Eager, who I'm a fan of his work. He's done stuff like The Lighthouse, The Witch. These are, you know, kind of dark movies, but he continues it here. And it's just a really cool look at Viking era. Carnage. Yeah, yeah, I guess Viking Carnage <laughs> accurately yeah. describes the movie. Um, so if you're into that stuff, I guess. <laughs> so his, his, best, his best of is Viking Carnage, which is worse. Now I want to hear. I did not like the movie Blonde, uh, the biopic on Marilyn Monroe. First off, it's three hours long, very boring, and it was a hard one to watch there. I turned it off towards the end. They made a three-hour boring movie about Marilyn Monroe. That's quite a feat. How is that possible? All right, my best and worst. Uh, This 2022 has been, and there's been a few close competitors, the worst year of my life. Started out with two uncles dying. It may end with us putting our dog of 19 years down. That's the worst. The best is getting to work with this crew. They're wonderful. I love them, and I, I look forward to doing and more in the future. That's all about all the time we have for this week on Washington In Focus. Thanks for hanging with me. I truly mean that. Brett, Spencer, and Ray Lynn. Make sure to subscribe to Washington In Focus wherever you get your podcasts. We will be back next week with more great podcasts. <laughs> <laughs>